If you have a copy of Scripture, go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And I know I've talked about this before, and, and in fact, this last year, Clay even mentioned it when he spoke one time about his love for Colorado. And, and uh, I, I thought this week is uh, about that, about, especially when I drive to Colorado, when you get on that, you're bored out of your mind driving across Kansas, and all of a sudden you begin to see the mountains in the distance. And the, the closer you get to Denver, the bigger those mountains get. And so my mind has always gone back, as long as I've lived in the Kansas City area driving that way. Uh, my mind would always think about what it was like for the early settlers that, that were just kind of going across heading west. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, they begin to see something in the distance. And the closer they get to the mountains, the bigger they are. And just what they experienced, because they, 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 there weren't any trail. There wasn't I-70. Uh, they were the trailblazers. And so to just think about what they experienced in going through that. And so my mind went to that this week. As we are continuing our study, uh, we're working our way through the book of Acts, which is actually a story of the early church or, or the pioneers of our faith. And for the last two weeks, we've been... Uh, following a story that actually began in chapter 3 on a, on a day when, uh, as Peter and John were heading into the temple, uh, the, the, as they were about to walk into the temple, they were stopped by a beggar, a man who was uh, wanting money from them. And, 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 and Peter basically says, I don't have any money, but what I have I'm going to give to you, and in the name of Jesus, be healed. And this man who had never walked a day in his life. In fact, the, the Bible identified for 40 years, he had never walked in his entire life. Uh, but, but he got up and he began walking and leaping and praising God, and the news spread like wildfire. Fire, and along uh, with the popularity and the growth of the early church, that got the attention of the authorities. It got the attention of the religious and political leaders there to the point that they had Peter and John arrested and thrown in jail. For what? For healing a man and preaching uh, in the name of Jesus, which, when you think about it, that wasn't a real crime. But they had them arrested because Peter and John and their early followers were threatening their authority, threatening their power and their influence. And so they had them jailed uh, in order to get their attention uh, more specifically, they had them there to, to scare them into silence. Because they, they tell Peter and John, if they ever, ever, ever preach in the name of Jesus again, that there's going to be consequences. <laughs> Remind my little brother one time, we were visiting my grandmother uh, down in South Texas, and, and, and he was doing something he wasn't supposed to do. She said, John Mark, if you don't do that, I'm going to spank you. And he looked at her and said, you wouldn't dare. <laughs> and she didn't, but anyway, she wasn't that kind of grandma. They're going to face consequences. And so we, 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 left off, we left off with Peter and John humbly but very boldly proclaiming that, that they were going to do just the opposite, that if given the choice that the, between doing what God said or what they said or what the law said, that every time they were going to obey God. 
And it was at that point the religious leaders released them, not because they were okay with their answer, but because challenging their answer would have caused a riot among the people. And so the leaders backed down, but the battle uh, was far from over. In fact, it's just beginning. And the reason they backed down was to regroup and take some time to figure out how they were going to handle this radical group of followers. And like we said last week, from this point forward, we're going to see opposition and persecution coming against the church on almost every single page. And these pioneers of faith show us what to do when opposition comes. Aren't you glad that the Word of God is relevant? It says it never goes out without accomplishing what it's sent forth to do. It has the ability to read our minds, to read our hearts, and to show us righteousness, show us right from wrong. And so we, we need to apply it. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 says this, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them uh, what the leading priests and elders had said. Notice uh, that, that they didn't deny their need for community. They weren't lone rangers. They recognized the strength that came as they gathered with other believers, other other followers, which leads to our first takeaway, which is this. Don't fight or face opposition alone. Don't face or fight opposition or difficulties, your failure. Don't face it alone. Peter and John go back to those who had a kindred spirit, those who would understand and encourage them uh, to keep pressing on, to keep believing, keep trusting, keep walking with the Lord. Which leads to a question, actually a couple of them. The first question is this, is, is who do you run to when life gets hard? Who, who's that person or, or that group of people in your life that, that you reach out to when you're ready to give up and you're ready to quit, when you need strength to continue in the Lord? Not, not, not the person uh, that, that agrees with you or feeds your negativity or gives you bad, bad advice. Those people are a dime a dozen, but, but who are those people in your life that, that points you to Jesus and encourage you to do the next right thing? Who's that person? Who, who are those persons? We all need them. Second question. This one's a little bit deeper. Who are you that person for? My, my dad was a preacher, many of you know, and, and he, one, a couple of things I always remember him saying. One, this was probably the, at the top of the list. As my dad, throughout his ministry, I always remember him saying, there's two types of people in the world. There's givers and takers. There's givers and takers. So which one are you? I mean, there there is a whole lot of self-focus in the house of God these days, especially this side of COVID. And here's the deal. There will be times when we are going to be on the receiving end, when we need to be on the receiving end. And some of us need to receive help. When Some of us are kind of bow up and don't want to be helped. But there will be times when we, are on, when we are on the receiving end, when we're the taker. But are you ever the giver? Are you ever the one that the people reach out to? Are you the one? When, when, when God puts somebody on your heart, do you reach out to them, send them a text, say, hey, but just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm not sure what's going on, just praying for you. 
Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Hey, how are you doing? Is that ever on your mind concerning other people? Are you a giver or a taker? And that, that, that's a challenge to all of us that, that we need to stay in and be connected because as the family of God, we need each other. Amen? Amen. Especially in difficult times. So, so, so the first point is don't fight or face opposition alone. Peter and John returned back to the community of believers, told them what the leading priests and elders had said, and the, the response was a little bit shocking. Uh, verse 24 gives it to us. It says, when they heard the report, in other words, when they heard that, that there were threats against them, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. That They immediately began to pray, and that, that's significant. Because they could have so easily been overcome with worry and fear, but instead they turned to the Lord in prayer, which leads to the second takeaway. When facing opposition, pray. The truth of the matter is that there are times in my life when I don't do that very well, when that's not my first response. My first response oftentimes is panic. And I may immediately I mean, I, I may immediately cry out to God, God, help me. God, get me out of here. God, get rid of that jerk in my life. I get rid of the pain and difficult. But that's not true prayer. Most of the time, I eventually get to prayer, but, but usually my first response is to freak out and complain. Anybody else like that? Yeah. Eventually, we'll get to prayer. And it, but in those times when we uh, are, are more prompt or more prone to, to panic in those times. We need to remember uh, the, the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to align our hearts with God's heart. Prayer connects us with the heart, mind, and power of God. And we need to remember that there's more to prayer than just getting, getting our needs met. I mean, the, the early church really believed in praying in, in every circumstance and situation. They trusted in, in the power of God, and you see that in the way they prayed. You continue in verse 24, it says, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. We've talked about the sovereignty of God before. The, the, trans, the word sovereign here is a very strong word. It speaks of, of God's absolute power and authority. The early believers viewed God as the one who, had, who was in complete control in every circumstance. They, they recognized that nothing happened out of his control, and it affected the way they prayed. They were confident. Because of Jesus, they were confident of God's love. Because of God's track record, they, they were sure of his wisdom and power. But because they had firsthand experience that their prayer was full of faith, not of panic. You see it in their focus. Their focus was on the one who knows all, sees all, and is in full control. Third takeaway, when, when facing opposition, our focus matters. We, we can either... Uh, focus on the problem or the loss or the opposition, or we can choose to focus on, on the faithfulness uh, of the one who is mighty and strong, the one who is still on the throne. I just got to be honest with you, I, I've had to preach that to myself over the last several months to remind myself that God is still on the throne, because in many ways, 
uh, the world and life that, that we are experiencing right now and seems way out of control. It almost seems like we're in a free fall. You ever have those days? And if my focus is on my circumstance, if my focus is on the needs for today, then it can easily lead me to panic and freak out mode. But when my focus is on the rock of my salvation, if I remember that he knows all, sees all, and is in full control, that I can trust that everything, he's got my next step. De- Deuteronomy 33, 24, I put it in your hand out. It says this, the eternal God is my refuge, and his everlasting arms are there to catch and support me. I love what Brooke had to say about just a song. I love that song or that verse that God will just, just tattoo on my heart. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm downstairs Wednesday uh, in the basement studying from home, and, 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 and I, I'm reading through this, studying this, and God brings up a song that I have, that I sang in the 70s. It said, where do, where do I go when there's nobody to turn to? Who do I talk to? When nobody's there to listen, who do I lean on, yeah? When there's no foundation stable, I go to the rock. I know that he's able, I go to the rock. Jana heard me singing that, and she had to. I go to the rock of my salvation, to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain, and the mountain stands by me. Earth all around me is sinking sand. When sinking sand on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. Who do you run to? I had memories of being a little boy this week of, of, of my mom at the ironing board or washing dishes or whatever, just singing about the goodness of the Lord. I wonder if my kids have those memories. When life got difficult, we were watching some uh, documentary about some group in South Carolina a couple weeks ago, and 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 uh, uh, some some black people that had, had land taken away from them. They they had, they had it had been in their family for generation after generation, and it's wrongly being taken from them. And so many times as they suffered and everything, they would just sing about the Lord. When the early church, I mean, it's so important. As we're walking through difficulties and opposition, when the early church was facing opposition, literally their lives were being threatened, they, they, they focused on the sovereignty uh, of the Lord, the sovereign Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. And then they recalled the past by, by quoting from uh, a, messianic, a messianic text uh, in Psalm, second, uh, Psalm chapter 2 that rebukes the enemies of God for their vain attempts of trying to defeat, trying to stop God's plan. You see it in verse 25, it says, God, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah, his Messiah. In fact, 
This has happened here in this very city. For he, Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. Verse 28. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Pilate and Herod had conspired to kill the Son of God. They had rebelled against the Lord and fought his cause. And though they thought they had outmaneuvered God, that they totally played into his hands, into his plans. Why? Because the sovereign God controls everything. What his will determines, his power carries out, and no leader, no army or government will stand in their way. The, the, the early church, the early Christians were confident in God's sovereignty, and it added fuel to their fire. They, they knew all that was at stake. They knew that they were next in line, that if they persecuted Jesus, they would be the next ones to be persecuted. But they confidently raised their needs and petitions for, to God, believing, knowing and believing that he controlled heaven and earth, and he could control whatever was facing them. You see, at times, life can feel pretty hopeless. Where it seems like the evil people prosper and the devil is winning. You ever have those thoughts? I mean, that's, that's nothing new. In fact, in fact, Scripture is full of stories where God's people had lost hope. When, it, when everything looked bleak, when God's plan was being threatened, but God used the difficult time to prepare his people, and he even used the enemies of God, used his enemies to fulfill his plan. Like when Pharaoh stood against Moses, God rescued his people, and he highlighted, he spotlighted his power. When the the brothers of Joseph sold him into slavery, God used that to put Joseph in a position to save Israel. When King Nebuchadnezzar threw Daniel into lion's den, God used that event to demonstrate his sovereignty and change the heart of a king. When Saul chased David around the desert, God used this to develop the character of the future king. And when Herod tried to kill Jesus, that that act only served to fulfill the prophecy that the Messiah would be called out of Egypt. Our God is in full control, and he has a history of taking our tragedies and failures and disappointments and using them for his glory, using them to change hearts and lives. And at times, he uses the bad things to wake up those who are lost in their sin. Other times, he uses difficulties to show us his ability to provide for us. Sometimes, he uses the hard times to wean our hearts from the world and to build character within us. God's not surprised by what's happening in your life and mine. In fact, he has allowed these difficult times to enter our lives for his good and greater purposes. And like a good parent, he will use difficult times, even our failures, to shape and to teach us. And I don't always appreciate that. I'd rather have a formula. I'd rather have you know, seven easy steps to abundant living or three steps to tapping into the power of God. You think about that, all those things focus on what I can do, what man can do when God's wanting us to trust in what he can do. 
We're forever looking for ways to make ourselves stronger, better, and or more successful. And there's nothing wrong with learning from what others have learned. But, but first, we must learn to put our hope and confidence in God because he, better than us, knows precisely what we need in every situation. And if we're looking for a quick fix or technique, we're not exercising faith and we're not trying to do things and we're trying to do things in our own strength, but God wants us to look to him. God has a, we've talked about this before, God has a plan and a purpose for each of us, and nothing can thwart that plan, nothing can thwart that plan except for our disobedience. Scripture says he works on behalf of those who seek and wait on him. For for those who in faith, believe and keep knocking on the doors in heaven, on heaven, seeking his answer and will in their life. And that's not easy, nor is it a guarantee that, that life is going to play out the way you want it to. But we can live securely knowing that God knows all, sees all, and is in full control. And, and there will be times when it doesn't make sense, and when we'll pray and pray and pray, and nothing will happen, or God doesn't do things the way we want him to do things. In fact, when, when it feels like life gets harder, when, when, it, when it feels like all hell is coming against you, he wants you to know that he's there, that you're not alone. And he wants you to keep praying, keep trusting, keep believing. For the early churches, the early church really believed in the sovereignty of God to the point that they were willing to endure hard times and even persecution for their faith because their focus was on the sovereignty of their God. Uh, next takeaway, when facing opposition, ask God for help and be specific. And you're going to see that in the following verses. Uh, verse 29 says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Notice they didn't ask God to remove the problem. They asked him for the strength to deal with the problem. It's a good way to pray. I mean, it's not wrong for, to ask God to remove your problem, and he may choose to sometimes. But often God will leave the problem or the difficult situation, and he'll give us the strength to endure. He'll give us the courage to endure and deal with the problem. And a sign, for a spiritual, it's a sign of a spiritual maturity is when we understand that God has a purpose in all things, will not first asked for an escape to his purposes. I remember I was telling Jordan this week, uh, there, there was a church I went on staff at, and I went uh, in, in a position that was basically a stepping stone to you know, either be an associate pastor one day or whatever. But I remember taking the step uh, to go back into youth ministry <clears throat> and you know, thinking that you know, six months, the church will grow and we'll step into the next position. And I'll step out of youth ministry and and, and I remember about six months in, it wasn't going the way I thought it was. And I remember in a stupid, this is stupid. This is a good example of how stupid I was. I remember telling the pastor, this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> you know, we, we want the easy street. We want everything to go as planned. Disciples asked for two things. 
First, they asked that they might be able to speak with great boldness. Notice they, they didn't ask for trouble to disappear. They asked for boldness to do the very thing that could get them killed. Basically, they were asking God to take away their fear so, so that they could obey him fully. I, I love the fact that they didn't apologize for being afraid. I mean, they simply admitted their weakness and they called on their master for help. Instead of praying for ease and comfort, they prayed to be faithful in whatever situation they faced because they viewed it as an opportunity to show the world the power of the gospel. So verse 30, they say, God, would you stretch out your hand with healing and power? May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. First, they asked for boldness. Here, they're asking that, that God would work, that God might work in their midst, that they took for granted that, that God would do what he said he would do. And they wanted to be part uh, of his plan to the point that their personal safety took second place to the fulfillment of God's plan. And in other words, they said, God, I know you can do anything, so show your power and grace in my life. God, use me in the process. That they asked for his power and for signs and wonders to create opportunities so they could witness. And Luke closes with, in this episode in history of the church with a description of God's answer uh, to, to their prayer. Look at verse 31. It says, after this prayer, uh, the meeting place shook. Imagine that. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice that it looks very similar to uh, the day of Pentecost, but there's a difference. One was inward, uh, the other was outward. And here's what I mean by that. On the day of Pentecost, the, the power of God came in the form of a wind and fire, and, and it flowed into each believer. It was like a light was turned on, like the power was turned on in every believer. It was inward. But this time, the power of God comes, and it shakes the building or the meeting place where they had gathered. And the power flowed through them. The power flowed outward from the prayers of the early church into the world. Again, notice that it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about this before, that there's a difference here on the day of Pentecost that they had received. They received the gift. There was the indwelling of God's presence in their life, but this is different. They were filled with the Spirit. To be filled with something means to be overtaken and then controlled by it. For instance, you can be filled with emotion. To, to the point that it can exert a strong, almost overwhelming influence over you. I mean, I've done things out of emotion when I said, dude, you should have used your brain first. You can be controlled with emotion. You can be, a, in, you can be filled with knowledge, which can guide your decisions. In Ephesians, Paul warned believers not to be drunk, not to be filled with alcohol, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because too much alcohol can take control of your mind to the point to where you no longer have good judgment. Be 
He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're under the control of the Holy Spirit. And the way, the way you do that is similar to what Brooke mentioned this morning. The, the way you do that is by submitting to his influence. By, by bending a knee or yielding to his control in your life. My flesh wants to do this. And, and he said, no, that's not the way you do that. You walk in his power. You yield to him. But they're making me mad. I know that. And, and if you control it out of your anger, it ain't going to end well. But if you wait on me, I'll give you the strength and the power as you yield to me. I'll control your emotions. And it opens the door for, for God to work in the lives. And so notice the last part of verse 31 tells us that, that God answered their prayer. That they preached the word of God with boldness. And the story is a reminder that, that in those times of opposition and failure and disappointment that, that God wants us to pray and he wants us to keep on praying uh, until there is a breakthrough or, or it's clear that he's doing something different. Why? Because there's more to prayer than just getting our needs met. Prayer aligns our heart with God's heart. It connects us to the power of God. It reminds us that, that there is a God who is sovereign, who knows all, sees all, and is in full control. That nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing is stronger than he is. And he wants us to trust him. And in the process of trusting him, he wants us to pray. That we, we are to continue to pray for friends and family to come to Christ for healing and provision. I, I was reminded uh, there's a lady that, that, that shares my birthday. And I call her every year. She's 88 years old. I, I, her, her family... We're part of a, a Christian music group down in Texas when I grew up, and I grew up with her kids. They lived in East Texas, but we saw they came to our church all the time, and, and we, we've known them for my entire life. And Mama Cruz was the one that shares my birthday, and so I called her the other day. She's 88 years old. And, and, and Dan, tell me about your family. And, and so I've talked to her you know, about each one and, and you know, talked about a couple of them that, that really need to come back to the Lord. And, and, and she said, Dan, here, I'm I'm going to take, she said, tell me their names. And she, she said, I, I, I can't do much. I, I live in an apartment in North Houston. I can't do much, but what I can do is pray. Tell me their names. And she challenged me with this. She said, Dan, I want you to begin to start thanking God for what he's doing to bring them back to him. Start thanking him. Sometimes we get so caught up on praying for situations and, and in our ability, we don't see it. We don't see anything changing, but we don't know what God is doing. We talked about this before. Sometimes our answer to prayer means that God's got to get some Yahoo's attention across the world that, to get in line for that plan to be fulfilled. So she said, Dan, just begin praying, thanking God. God, thank you that you know all, see all, you're in control. Thank you that you're already answering this prayer put people in their life that will point them to me. You, you keep praying. 
You can't, and as, as you pray, you keep pressing into knowing God, asking him to help you be faithful uh, in, in boldly sharing the gospel around you, that, that he would strengthen and equip us for in times of sickness and tragedy and disappointment, and that, that, that in those times that we will take what the enemy has, has given meant for bad, that we'll take those opportunities to testify of God's goodness and his sufficiency. We would be aware of the needs around us where we help take care in the name of Jesus, those that God's put in our path, that we don't take for granted the, the, the church family God's given us, that where we just kind of bop in here and see what God can give us in the next hour. I mean, how, how many of you come into the church saying, okay, I know I'm going there to receive, and we all need to come here to receive, but I'm going there today to see if there's somebody here that I can encourage. I'm coming in there and listening. Hey, man, how are things going in your life? Now, and don't, don't put up with that answer of, yeah, everything's going great. No, it's not. What are you struggling with? I mean, as long as we come in here and we keep everything superficial, I mean, dude, I can fool you. There, there's a pastor. No, I'm not going to say that. We, we can fool each other. As long as we keep a mask on, we can all do it. We can say, we got the, the, the Christian, Christianese answers that we say. I'm doing fine. Are you fine? Doing fine? Yeah, doing fine. And again, it goes back to that person, those group of people that are part of your community, are supposed to be part of, that we all need around us that kind of can see through that veneer fakeness and they know us well enough to know that yeah, there's some struggles I got going on. There's some heartbreaks in my life. There's some needs in my life that I need God to do, and they know that well enough. They know that well enough that they know they can say, Paul, how you doing? No, really, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows you that well? Who do you know that well? So in those moments of need or opposition or failure, when, when someone needs healing, when, when a debt needs canceling, when a relationship needs reconciliation, when an impossible situation needs a miracle, we need to pray and we need to have faith. And, and, we, and I'm going to end with this real quick. There, there are four questions I put in your handout that we need to ask, uh, ask ourselves about faith. And you know, the first one is this. Do you really believe that God can do anything? And this question isn't exactly as it seems because uh, sometimes God's anything might be to change you, <laughs> might be to change your heart. Sometimes God's anything may not align with our wants and desires. And in those times of confusion or uncertainty, uh, we must learn to trust in the power and the goodness of God in his nature and his character. First question, do you really believe God can do anything? Second, are you willing to leave the anything, the anything up to him? Are you willing to leave the anything up to him to let him determine what's best? Are you willing to let God accomplish his will and his way in his timing, understanding that, that he knows all, sees all, and is in full control? 
Third question. Will you stop worrying? Quit interrupting. Cease striving. And simply pray. This is a biggie for some of us. Because we tend to think that sometimes we know what's best. And when we don't see progress, our emotions can take over and then we can worry and fret. And personally for me, this doesn't happen in the daylight. <laughs> this happens in the middle of the night. You ever have that feeling like your bed swimming, can't sleep? And you're consumed with it. And man, the monsters are always bigger at nighttime, right? So, so when we begin to feel that, feel that, feel that inner turmoil, it's in those times that, that, that that's our signal to pray. That's our signal once again. That, that, that turmoil is a sign that I've taken back the need that I, that I cast. That, that, Jesus says, cast your cares on me, I'll care for you. That, that's just a sign. That turmoil is a sign that I'm holding on the, the problem. I'm taking the situation back. So it's a signal to start praying, to cast it back, and to trust God in his sovereign mercy and enter that place of worry-free inner rest. Will you stop worrying, cease striving, and simply pray? Fourth question is this. Will you accept the answer that he chooses to give? Will you lay down your preconceived notions and plans to receive what God wants to give you? Will you trust him to give you what you need rather than expect him to give you what you want? which at the root, again, always comes back down to our submission and surrender. So here's the deal. If our answer is yes to those four questions, if it's yes to those four questions, then it shows that we have moved into a whole new category of people who understand what to do when we're faced with something that's completely out of our control. And we're better prepared and ready to see God work in extraordinarily unbelievable ways. And in the process, we'll see opportunities. Even in our need, we'll see opportunities to join God at work, wherever he works, wherever he is. God, you help me see people the way you see them. I know my heart is crumbling. I know I'm so in need. But God, it's in that place I'm choosing to trust you and believe you and follow you. So Father, use me. Use me. Can you stand to your feet? Father, we come to you this morning. And Father, there's probably not a one of us that in this room that at one time either by our actions or maybe thoughts maybe we don't share this very much but 
by our actions and by our thoughts, God, we tend to think that we know better than you do. And, and Father, there's in, the, in those times when you're not moving fast enough or you're not answering the way you want to, sometimes we can lose our confidence in you, but uh, in reality, Father, we are wanting something that may be outside of your will, your plan. God, thank you for the reminder you have a plan and a purpose for everyone in this room. And the only thing that can thwart that plan is our disobedience. So, Father, would you give us the strength to trust you, the courage to trust you. Father, would you give that boldness inside of us where where, where, we're like the disciples they said that if the choice is, am I going to follow the ways of this world or I'm going to follow God? I'm following my God every time. I'm trusting you. Father, I just want to pray for these students in front of me. God, I thank you, Lord, for, for God, their heart to know you. God, it brings so much encouragement to me just to, to have them up here week after week and I just so appreciate what you're doing in their lives. God, would you capture their hearts? Would you capture their affections? God, would would they burn with a desire to live for you and to please you and to honor you, to get to know you, Father? Father, I pray for the parents that that, that you would give them strength. It's, It's a tough day, tough thing these days to parent the day which we live. And so, Father, give them wisdom. God, give them a desire to know you. Give them a desire to follow you. God, help them be examples of what it looks like to follow you. And, Father, as a church, may this be a place where people just can can feel comfortable enough just to lay down uh, their masks, take off their masks, just to be real with one another. But not, not come here and stay in their junk, but actually come and, and actually get over their junk. May this be a place of healing of emotions, healing of, of, of wounds and abuse. Father, may this be a place. May our fellowship with one another be strength to us each week so we can go back as we enter back into the mission world, the mission God, that, that we, we, the mission field, as we head, head back to the mission field, God, that we could be what you've created us to be. That in the power of the Holy Spirit, we would shine for you. We would be salt and light. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I just want to remind you again about tonight's Family Forum. Uh, the, the, I think the sign said the 5.30 dinner, 6 o'clock is the meeting if you want to just show up for that. So God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you.